This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Those are all things that you guys can ask. I don't mind getting the question, but it's it's like when I leave this room, I go back to 135 players, and I got to get a game plan ready to go, and that's what we'll do. Like I said, everybody's going to have a reaction. They care, so they're going to be sad, they're going to be encouraging, they're going to be mad, and probably the same person is all of those at different times. We get all that, and I just wanted to say I know that. I know we have to do better, and I know, and I really know how we can. Stick with us. Stick with us. You know, you're, you're, you're the greatest fans of college football. Hopefully, you know, show us and, you know, just take, stick behind us, you know, and we're going to keep fighting. You know, obviously, this isn't, this isn't what we all signed up for. You know, this isn't the season we all signed up for, you know, be a part of, but we're here. We got to keep fighting, and hopefully they'll stick behind us because they're the greatest fans of college football, and we're going to keep playing our, our tails off for them, and hopefully they'll keep supporting us. We have uh, three, you know, good opponents left, and we're going to do everything we can to win those games and continue to practice. We're going to continue to play. We're not going to let this, you know, bring us down. We got to stay positive. We'll stay positive. Coach Riley does a great job of keeping us up, and myself and these these other captains. We're going to continue to keep the team up and just doing everything we can to, you know, help the success of this team. And welcome to another edition of the Husker Online Show. I feel like uh, we've used the same open the last month or two as it's kind of been, we didn't expect this, but we lost again and keep supporting us. And uh, that was the message again uh, from uh, Jordan Westerkamp, Sam Fultz, and then you heard Mike Riley. It's It's been an interesting week. Uh, to say the least, because number one, nobody thought in a million years Nebraska would lose to Purdue. Now, granted, the point spread was only seven and a half. Nebraska was playing with the, out their starting quarterback. They had a backup running back going most of the game, and they lost to Mornay Pearsonell. But still, nobody expects Nebraska to lose to Purdue in the in the manner they did, the amount of points they gave up. And um, it's been an interesting week, Robin, starting with um, Sean Eichhorst coming out with a statement um, and he took a lot of heat after that game. When you look at um, Saturday and Sunday's mm-hmm. stories that came out in the major newspapers and the columns, a lot of people were calling for Sean Eichhorst. It forced him to put out a statement that was kind of out of character for him uh, to make a kind of a long-winded statement like that that went out on Monday. Well, you look at this time a year ago, his stance was he doesn't make comments on coaches during the season. And now already he's put out two public comments about Mike Riley this season alone, and the year's not even over yet. So that in itself is pretty hypocritical. I mean, if, if you're going to show support for one guy, you should do it for all your coaches, but that's a whole other story. But I think what enraged most Nebraska fans about that whole statement was the term rebuilding, and that Nebraska was a rebuilding job, brick by brick, building the foundation. That wasn't what he told fans when he hired Mike Riley in his introductory press conference. He said that this is not a rebuilding job. We are going to get this guy in here that's going to take this team to the next level, that they plateaued under Bo Pelini, and now it's time to bring somebody in here who's going to take Nebraska back to championship standards. And obviously that hasn't happened. And so to completely rewrite the narrative of what this season is supposed to be, I think really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because you know they were sold this bill of goods that you know Nebraska is not far away and all they need is to to bring in the right guy. And when you take this drastic of a step back, uh, there's good reason why people are, are ticked off right now. Uh, and I think people, you know, already aren't really big fans of Sean Eichhorst just from the way he's carried himself as Nebraska's athletic director over the last couple of years. So for him to come out and all the things that you just outlined, Robin, are 100% correct. Make a statement like this. I think it almost makes it, you know, twice as twice as bad people are just like you know why are you reversing field now how you know how can you say these things and 
uh, yeah, just not a good look. It was a very the timing of it was strange coming out right before Mike Riley's press conference on Monday. Just very weird all around. Yeah, it, it, it's just made for a tough week. I mean, because you know I've done talks around the state this week and dealt with a lot of fans, and it's exhausting. I mean, people are just fed up. They they don't know what's next. There's this fear that Nebraska has kind of entered this purgatory that they're not going to get out of right now. Um, because what do you do? I mean, you've got to stick with Mike Riley. You, he's in his first year, but is the leadership structure what you want it to be? I mean, there's just so many um, questions about just the long-term future uh, of where this program's at and, and where it's going. Yeah, but I, I think the good thing is, you know, just you know, for one way to look at it is that, uh, you know, obviously – this is a complete culture shift. So it's not just X's and O's, which, you know, I think people kind of have made the excuse or the, the reason that, you know, the reason this is such a, a been a hard shift is because the talent just wasn't there and you know, the depth wasn't there uh, just from a roster standpoint, yada, yada, yada. But uh, I think that, you know, if nothing else, they're at least going to give Riley a chance because I don't think any of his bosses have any plans of doing anything drastic so uh, Riley will get a fair shake at this uh, you know whether some people like it or not uh, but you know I think in my opinion you know as bad as this season has been and quite frankly it's been terrible uh, to, to go ahead and fire a guy after one year I think sets a terrible precedent for your program sets you back even further than where they already are right now and makes it extremely difficult to go out and fire or hire a coach that's going to be any better because let's face it I mean what coach is going to want to come into that type of situation and let alone not even to mention the fact that there's about seven other high profile college football jobs open ten. right now I mean there's going to be ten yeah. there's ten job open in, in FBS football right and now and so that, that again you're competing against other schools that don't fire coaches coaches after one year so I mean it's it's a it's not a good situation to go and do anything drastic and uh well Sean Eichhorst has handled this very 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 poorly I think in the long run he's going to make the right choice by not firing Riley well here's the deal when you look at this team guys I mean a field goal against Wisconsin goes in at the end Tommy Armstrong you know if he just falls down in Illinois or if they bat down a Hail Mary it doesn't have a different feel I mean this is still the same team um Dan, would you agree? I mean, would, would you have a different feel about this team if they would have won those games uh, off just that one single play at the end? Or is it still the same team with the same issues? I think that, obviously, you know, you'd feel better if Nebraska were, you know, two or three, had two or three more um, notches in the victory column. But at the same time, when you consistently lose those close games, you know, maybe once or twice it's a fluke but when you're losing four or five games that are all coming down to the wire like that and they're kind of coming down to situations where fluky plays can happen that's where you start to look at it and wonder you know is this something bigger than just uh you know some weird stuff happening at the end of games yeah what point does it become a trend is my question well, lots to talk about, guys. Michigan State comes into Lincoln, um, you know, ranked right inside the top ten in playoff contention. The point spread, though, just five and a half, six points. Uh, I think that caught a lot of people by surprise. Lots of breakdown as, as we get ready uh, for Nebraska-Michigan State here on Saturday. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Like I've told everybody before, I just got to get that confidence back in my foot, just uh, being able to go out there and practice and you know, run around with those guys and things like that. So uh, I'm taking a day at a time, rehabbing as much as I can. 
And back here on the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Dan Hoppen, and Robin Washett. That was quarterback Tommy Armstrong talking about his status for the week here against Michigan State as he did not even travel to West Lafayette, and that was controversial in its own right. Bizarre, really. Um, that they would not find room uh, for him to go on that trip. Um, when you think about 70 players, you can't convince me that you needed the 12th offensive lineman or the 12th defensive lineman on this road trip over Tommy's presence just to talk to Riker. And and it, I don't know. I mean, I, I just didn't agree with it. I don't care what Mike Riley and Danny Langstorff said. I don't agree with the, the, the idea of not taking them. Well, you broke down the numbers on the travel roster, Sean. They took 10 running backs. I'm, <laughs> I know that some of those guys play on special teams, and that's important. But, you know, you're taking guys like Stevenson, Jordan Stevenson, Mikhail Wilbon. I don't think either one of those guys saw the field, and they never were going to see the field. And so, yeah, you're, you're more concerned about keeping those guys happy than having your most valuable offensive and leader on the trip. I mean, I, it just didn't add up to me other than maybe they just believe in a hard number of quarterbacks. We're only going to take three, and that's it. And Riker even said after the game, yeah, it would have been nice to have Tommy there to talk to you on the well, sidelines. You think about the respect Tommy has in that locker room. I mean, He's a what, captain, what do you think yeah. the rest of the players thought about that? Having, you know, one of the guys they voted to be a team captain just left home just because he's hurt. I mean, that it was a poor decision all the way around. So yeah, now you go into this week, and, and Tommy Armstrong has practiced. We fully expect him to play. But what concerns me is Nebraska, without Terrell Newby most likely, how do they run the ball Michigan State, guys? I just don't see it. Tim Beck told me last year that they were never whipped up front more than they were in the Michigan State game where they were completely dominant. I just don't see a scenario where Nebraska can effectively and consistently, Robin, run the ball on yeah, Saturday. I mean, uh, you, they haven't run the ball all season long, and Danny Langsdorf called this the best defensive front they've seen all season. So add two and two together doesn't look good. So that puts even more pressure than ever on Tommy Armstrong, who's not 100% by any means. I mean, he's going to play, but is he? I don't think he's going to be able to be the the mobile guy that's able to spin out a sacks 12, 15 yards behind mm-hmm. the line of scrimmage and make some crazy first down play. I don't know if those plays are going to be there. Uh, and again, so it really adds up to a really tough situation for this offense just because, I mean, we've all seen when they can't run the ball, bad things happen. And I don't know, I think their chances of establishing a consistent running back against this defense don't look very good. Yeah, and it's going to anger a lot of Nebraska fans, I think, because I think Nebraska is going to be pretty pass-heavy in this game, and people are going to say, why aren't they trying to run the ball? Well, like you guys have both said, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. With Amani Cross and Divina Zigbo, I mean, they're going to be able to get some runs to keep them honest. Um, they even teased us that Mikhail Wilbon could be the third back. I, I jokingly We've heard that before. I jokingly asked uh, Reggie Davis this week. I go, "Have you gotten pretty good at answering that backup running back question?" And he just looked at me and started laughing because you know there was about seven uh-huh. reporters asking him about Adam Taylor mm-hmm. and, and Mikhail Wilbon, and it's kind of like guys by week eleven or week ten. Um, you know, I, I think you kind of know where things stand with some of these guys. Right. I don't think there's any need to even bring up Adam Taylor. I mean, the guy <laughs> hasn't sniffed the field all season long. And uh, quite frankly, I don't know if, where he even fits He's covering in. kicks on special teams. Yeah, yeah so that, that says everything you need to know right there. All right, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Uh, Nebraska suffered a big injury on offense. Um, you know, they, they lose uh, DeMorne Pearsonell on Saturday during the celebration of Stanley Morgan's touchdown. Uh, not only did he tear his ACL, fractured his leg, 
just a devastating blow to a young man that's had just uh, a rough year. It was really unbelievable. I mean, we watched the replay, and I mean, he was basically just running up to celebrate with Stanley Morgan, and to get that vicious of an injury off that, I, I it's just uh, you can't believe the bad luck. It's this grass. Has. I think when you do it, sometimes grass can have funny. Um, yeah. Well, I saw the replay, and the knees weren't meant to bend that way, so it's no surprise that it was as severe as it was. But yeah, clearly a huge blow. I mean, especially for a kid that battled his way back after missing all offseason and first couple games of the year uh, with a, another foot injury, and then to have this type of setback. I mean, uh, he, I, I think he's resilient, but this is going to be tough for anybody. Yeah, and he was really, you know, finally starting to kind of look like himself again. In those first couple games, he wasn't fully integrated in the offense yet. You remember he muffed uh, that first punt that he took back against Illinois, so he didn't return any punts after that in his first two games. But here he was back returning punts. He was really starting to get involved in, with the offense. And, I mean, your your heart just goes out for the kid. This wasn't even like a Grammatica celebrating injury, you know, like we saw um, a few years ago with Tampa Bay's kicker where he's jumping up and down. He's just running. Like, he wasn't even doing anything outside of, you know, the bounds of what he should have been able to do. So, yeah, just... Uh, prayers for Demorne Pearson. Hopefully, um, he has a speedy recovery. Now, a number of injury things to, to cover. I think Nick Gates guys will hopefully be yeah. back at that right tackle. But one thing to watch: Zach Stirrup had been playing some right guard over Chungo Condolo in practice. That is something uh, that we could see Saturday. And and I don't know if it's because Chungo has been banged up or. Maybe Zach Sturrup would be better in that short, tight box where you don't have to use his athletic ability to get outside. I mean, I know it's pretty hard to move a 6'9", 330-pound guy. You don't see a lot of guards that big. Um, you know, you just wonder um, if if they're concerned about the size matchups uh, against Michigan State. But that's something to watch. Alonzo Moore guys should be back. Uh, Brandon Riley has the foot injury, but they still expect him to play. Uh, but they need some of these offensive guys to step up um, if they want to have a chance. Going back to Stirrup, I think there's a few reasons why this move makes sense. I mean, for one, I think grand scale, I think he played pretty well in Nick Gates' absence. I mean, just considering, uh, you know, jumping in there and filling that right tackle spot, he's a veteran I think you'd guy. have some critics on that statement. Well, okay. Yeah, he, he got burned, but so did everybody else on that <laughs> offensive line. No one looked good. But for the, for the most part, he was able to at least hold his own. I don't think there was that big of a drop-off. And so you move... Uh, a veteran guy who is you know capable inside and you see this a lot in the nfl where guys get drafted at tackle and they move them inside to guard and so then they thrive inside because maybe one of the biggest knocks on stirrup is his ability to keep up with speedy pass rushers because he's not exactly the the most agile tackle out there and so you keep him in a confined space like you said let him utilize that huge size i mean he's the biggest dude on the team without he's gonna, question he's gonna block he's gonna hold that little hole exactly and so you, i mean it, it like i said it makes sense i mean you're able to you let, you let him use maximize his strengths while also prevent you know limiting uh, his weaknesses out there so and then you all of a sudden have you know an experienced senior right guard in there and uh, next to your right tackle of the future so i, I think it's a it's a good move you're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we get ready for Nebraska, um, Michigan State, and and it, it, this will be a, a new matchup for this coaching staff. So you know Tim Beck had a lot of success offensively against Michigan State the last few years, uh, not last year particularly, but the previous three with what Nebraska did. Um, I'll just be really curious. Um, how much if Mike Riley, if anything, looked at some of that old film of Nebraska, what they might have done well, or, or did they just 
um, kind of go and do their own thing because Nebraska had figured out a way to move the ball on Michigan State better than any team in the conference. Well, I think a lot of that was on Taylor Martinez. I mean, you go back to some of those Michigan State games, he made some crazy turnovers and interceptions, but he also had some long runs against them. His speed was something that gave them issues. Unfortunately, Nebraska doesn't have that element this time around. I mean, Tommy Armstrong is a good runner, but he doesn't have Taylor's speed. And now, you know, dealing with that turf toe, he's like Robin mentioned, he is not going to be as mobile as he was previously. So I'm not sure if they're going to be able to exploit kind of that maybe hole in Michigan State's D. And uh, Taylor Martinez will still be with us in this Michigan State game. His younger brother, Drake. Um, is now a Spartan. Um, I don't know if the Martinez's will be in Lincoln. And, you know, I don't know if Drake for sure travels. I know he had been kind of a special teams linebacker and they are very high on him. Uh, but there will be a Martinez in the stadium playing, but not for Nebraska on Saturday. The magic returns. <laughs> All right, when we come back, we'll shift our talk over to defense and give our thoughts on how Nebraska can slow down Connor Cook and this Spartan offense next. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I see a very uh, experienced, confident, very efficient quarterback. He, he, is a, he is a good football player. Best quarterback we've faced all year, there's absolutely no doubt. Smooth, I mean, 17 touchdowns, two interceptions. So obviously he's doing something right, but very, very poised. But I've been watching film on him. He's a very good quarterback, you know, especially he can throw it. And uh, it's something that we pretty much, you know, we're going to prepare for him. We know that he's the best quarterback we pretty much faced so far. So it's something that you pretty much got to get ready for. But I, I feel like, you know, I have no doubt that our defense will do well against him. And back here on the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Dan Hoppin, Robin Washett, as you heard Byerson Cockrell and defensive coordinator Mark Banker talking about the challenge of Michigan State quarterback Connor Cook, who has a chance to do something that two other quarterbacks in history have done against Nebraska, uh, and that's beat Nebraska three times in his career. Um, the other two quarterbacks, Colt McCoy, you know, he did it back in uh, 2006, 2007, and then the Big 12 title game in 2009 in his three opportunities against Nebraska. And then you have to go way back to the 1970s, um, Steve Davis, 73, 74, 75, the Oklahoma quarterback, the only other quarterback in the history that can say he's beaten Nebraska three times. And uh, you look at Connor Cook, this guy's pretty special. I mean, he he had his coming out party in Lincoln two years ago. He completed eight third down passes. And some of those throws that night were, were just unbelievable, Robin, when you go back and watch some of those games from uh, a couple years ago. I remember shaking my head at some of those completions, just wondering how he fit that ball into his wide receiver because the coverage could not have been better, but somehow he found a way, and they just happened to all be on third and long situations to keep drives going. It was one of the more impressive uh, showings I've seen, especially from a freshman quarterback in Memorial Stadium. But uh, this is probably easily, in my opinion, the best quarterback Nebraska has faced all season and probably the most NFL-ready quarterback in the Big Ten. Uh, so, I mean, obviously a huge challenge that uh, Nebraska is going, their secondary, I mean, 124th in the country, uh, is going to be put to the test in a big, big way. You look at that game, too. Um, I mean, the, that team went on to win the Big Ten title game against Ohio State. They won the Rose Bowl against Stanford. And, and Nebraska wasn't that far off. I mean, they could have won that game if it wasn't for turnovers. And that that's tended to be the issue, um, turnovers against Michigan State. And Michigan State hasn't turned the ball over much against Nebraska. That's where Connor Cook is at his best. He's very efficient. He's a first-round draft pick guy. He's just a manager in so many ways that I think 
has been what's elevated this Michigan State program from 9-10 wins to 12-13 wins, Dan. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about Michigan State and the turnovers. They're plus 10 in turnovers this year. They, they've forced 14. They've only lost four all year. I mean, Nebraska had five turnovers last Saturday against Purdue alone. This is a team that just takes care of the ball. They let their defense do its job. They don't shoot themselves in the foot, and that's why you see Mark D'Antonio's club you know, near the top of uh, not only the Big Ten, but even the national standings at the end of every year. And these two coaching staffs have a lot of connections. Um, Oregon State actually had the Michigan State coaches up to Corvallis a few years back because there are some similarities uh, with the two programs. They were kind of the little brother programs in their state. Michigan State was to Michigan and Oregon State was to Oregon. Um, and they run the same defensive system, the quarters defense. They run kind of similar offenses, that pro style under center type deal uh, that you see a lot with Connor Cook. Um, this will be, guys, the first game uh, Michigan State has had their entire starting offensive line back since week two against Oregon, um, which has prevented them to run the ball very well. They have not been very well at running the ball this year, Robin. Yeah, I mean, and all of a sudden you give Michigan State a consistent running game, and Connor Cook just gets that much more difficult. So uh, certainly not good timing for Nebraska, uh, especially you know as if the challenge wasn't big enough to add in the element of probably an improved running game from what Michigan State's had all year. Uh, that's That doesn't bode well. Yeah, Jack Conklin back, Jack Allen, their center, both all Big Ten NFL guys. And, and Conklin, you know, neutralized Randy Gregory a year ago, Dan. Yeah, and there's there's no Randy Gregory on Nebraska's roster right now. This pass rush has struggled enough against pretty pedestrian offensive lines. Now they got to go up against probably the Big Ten's best. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we get you ready uh, for Nebraska-Michigan State. Uh, the Huskers about a five and a half point, six point underdog for this game in Lincoln. The Spartans come in with a perfect eight and zero record uh, off a bye week with time to rest, time to recover. Uh, you know this will be the last time too these two teams play for a while, and it's been a very exciting four game rivalry. This will be the fifth game. Um, it, you know, and with the way the divisions have been split apart, it's too bad we're not going to see this game every year. Because I, I think it has kind of taken on. Um, a mini rivalry feel. I know everyone's tried to force Iowa, um, Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, but that, to me, this has been as good of a, a matchup, a series as any since Nebraska's joined the Big Ten. When you have those types of finishes year in, year out, I mean, that just naturally lends itself to creating a rivalry. And uh, it's a different type of rivalry because I don't know if there's quite the same spite as there is with Iowa and even Wisconsin. I think this is more just a respectable on-field rivalry where uh, two teams have played each other very, very well and created for some really exciting games over the years. And Mark D'Antonio uh, was an Ohio guy. Um, you know, he had uh, Pat Narduzzi, an Ohio guy, so Tim Beck, Bo Pelini, Ohio people, and that kind of created the rivalry as well. And I've heard some rumblings through the grapevine. D'Antonio was not happy Nebraska got rid of Pelini. You know, those coaches kind of stick together in a fraternity and uh, tight group. So uh, I, I heard this, he had his thoughts about that whole deal here and um, and whatnot. But, yeah, well, it's just too bad we won't see this uh, because these have been some of my favorite games since Nebraska's joined the Big Ten. Yeah, absolutely. Even last year's game, which was essentially a blowout for most of that contest, Nebraska, you know, you get the crazy DeMornay Pearsonell return at the end. Nebraska actually, you know, was driving there at the end of the game. Alonzo Moore potentially dropping the tying touchdown pass. So close. Yeah. So close. So even the games that, you know, 
maybe weren't great the entire time end up having great finishes. And that's what's made this rival or rivalry. I'm not sure if we can really call it that, but this series fun. That's a storyline too. You brought up Alonzo Moore. I haven't touched on that yet. I mean, if you go back and watch that replay, man, I didn't had, when I was in the press box, I had zero clue how close he came to catching that ball. He catches that Nebraska wins. And man, that season looks a whole lot different. Would that have been the go ahead? They were down by five or six. It would have been the go ahead touchdown. Yeah. And uh, Pearson L he won't be there to return punts either. So the, and you remember there was the phantom fair catch uh, that he was going to run a pump back earlier mm. in that game as well. Yep. But he motioned his hand in which obviously that is a fair catch yeah. signal, no yeah. matter what you do with your hand, but he gets that punt. He's probably taking that one. There were a lot of things about that game. I mean, Nebraska forced a turnover on Connor cook on their first possession and, um, but they still couldn't run the ball. I mean, that's what it came down to. And um, you know, we talked already about that. It will be tough. I think whoever runs the ball on Saturday wins this game. And, you know, Nebraska, that's a big gift for Nebraska right now. Well, especially if Terrell Newby isn't ready to go. I mean, I think they think he's going to play, but how, you know, one close to 100% is he going to be with that injured ankle that forced him to miss the better part of the second half last week? And then you take out your far and away leading rusher with an already poor running game. Uh, and Michigan State's getting their full offensive line back. Uh, I think we know who has the edge right now in that one. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Dan, uh, briefly, um, Michigan State has some good receivers, and, and that's going to be another matchup. Um, they have the Big Ten's leading receivers, Aaron Bur- Burbridge. Um, as far as catches and, and receptions, he's got over 50 catches on the season, um, and, and that's going to be a tough matchup for Nebraska downfield. You know they're going to test these corners uh, with Connor Cook, and uh, that will be something else defensively that we need to keep our eyes on. Yeah, and – you know, I, I feel like this has been such a downer segment. We've just been talking about <laughs> downer radio here. All, all these, all these ways that Nebraska is kind of outmatched. But the, you know, this is another one. We just watched. Um, a, gosh, what what was the Purdue receiver's name? I've got it right here. Um, Yancey. Oh, la, yeah, la, yeah. Last Saturday had five catches for 111 yards. Kind of pick on Daniel Davy a little bit. Yancey is not nearly as good as this Burbridge guy is. I mean, Michigan State's receivers are just more talented and. Uh, you know, we've seen Nebraska's cornerbacks really struggle. They get Jonathan Rose back, but, you know, I don't know how, <laughs> big, how big of an addition that really even is. Uh, so, yeah, just another aspect where Nebraska looks to be a little bit behind the eight ball. It's going to be a tough week for the defense, and we'll find out if they're up for the challenge. We come back here on the show. We will uh, move on to our stock watch and, and tell you who's trending up and trending down here as the Huskers get ready for the Spartans. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. As a captain of this team, you know, I'm a member of Nebraska football. I think it's my responsibility to uh, you know, show our fans that we appreciate what they do. Some people made a long trip to come out here. You know, We do have some fans out here too, and just wanted to uh, say thanks and uh, that we appreciate what they do. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett and Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus says, uh, we, we bring in Nate Klaus to the program, and uh, we start with our Stockwatch segment, and, and we're going to go right off the bat, uh, Robin Washett, with Jack Gangwish. It was a, uh, a real special moment on Saturday uh, with him and the fans, uh, and you were able to capture it um, on video, and it went viral. I mean, this video that you had of Jack Gangwish going up in the stands, um, taking pictures. Of the, the one awkward part was the, la- <laughs> the lady that tried to get a selfie with him. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. 
just <laughs> let him shake hands. I mean, let, don't don't make a mockery of the guy, but it was pretty special to see Jack Anguish go up there and, and, and do that stock up. Yeah, so the final whistle blows in the game, and a lot of guys are just kind of walking off the sideline, obviously in, in disbelief about what happened. But uh, Jack Anguish's immediate response was to hop over the fence and go into the stands of uh, – pretty large group of nebraska fans who had stayed there till the very end and you know were to their credit were cheering really hard even on those that final possession uh he went in there and basically shook hands gave hugs and like you said posed for pictures even one awkward selfie that took too long that kind of ruined the moment a little bit but uh, i mean it was just kind of added to the legend of jack gangwish i mean he's the one guy that i think when you look at this team you know that he has not given up and he's been you know kind of the, the definition of what you want a nebraska football player to be so it was really cool to see it, and I'm just uh, glad I was there to to be lucky enough to tape it. Yeah, and I definitely never noticed it before, but Jack says he does that after every road game. He he just feels the responsibility to go up there and thank the fans, you know, regardless of Nebraska's performance. I mean, is it how long has it been since there's been a guy who just like epitomizes the program more than Jack Gangwich does? You know, the walk on from Nebraska. Small town kid just would, you know, chop off his arm to he go hunts, out on the field. He hunts and fishes. Yeah, exactly. He's he's just the epitome of what this program is. All right, let's move on uh, with our stock up. Uh, I'm going to uh, go here, guys, with kick return. I mean, we've been very critical of Nebraska's kick return. Last week was far and away the best we've seen. That um, leads me to think we're going to have some changes um, probably Stanley Morgan Jr. could be the featured guy going forward. Uh, Jordan Stevenson, was he back there at all? Maybe No, he did not play. Did not play Purdue. in the game. So Brandon Riley had a nice return as well, but with his foot injury, I wouldn't imagine we'd see him in that role. Um, stock up on kick return uh, by just making a simple personnel change. Um, let, let's move on now. Dan, who do you have stuck up? I've got Jordan Westerkamp. He uh, set season highs um, on Saturday with 15 targets, nine receptions on those 15 targets, on 123 yards. And this was a guy who had multiple shoulder injuries in that game. He had to come out of the game a couple different times. They were over on the sidelines messing around, you know, with his shoulder pads and stuff. Keith Williams the other day made a – Lethal Weapon reference um, in regards. We had to brush you up on on that movie, Dan. I, I had not seen Lethal Weapon. Um, One, well, two, I guess three, I still, R four. I still haven't. No, I haven't seen any of them. I'm it was not... the uh, Fast and the Furious of the eighties. Gotcha. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Yeah. But uh, you know, the, back to the original point. I mean, this is a guy. You know, especially in that Purdue game when you're down so big in the fourth quarter and you've got a couple injuries. You know, I don't think anyone would have probably. Uh, looked down on him for maybe taking the rest of the day off and just trying to heal up. But he kept going out there. He kept fighting, and he's one of the reasons that Nebraska at least got themselves back within um, you know, respectability in this game. All right, Nate Klaus, uh, finally, who's your stock up? I'm going stock up with uh, some of the true freshmen. I mean, some of the bright spots of, of last week's game, if, if there were any, were the young true freshmen that were making plays. Divino Zigbo had a great run. Aaron Williams played very well, I thought, at the safety position. Stanley Morgan obviously came in at some clutch uh, spots with a, with a nice touchdown, um, you know, returning some kicks. And then, of course, Dedrick Young has been solid as far as, you know, a true freshman playing, you know, starting at linebacker all season long. So stock up with uh, some of those young playmakers. And I'm going to go stock down now as we move over. Uh, you're listening to Husker Online, show, Husker Online Show. Let's move on to stock down. My stock down for the week, guys, were the comments made by Chancellor Harvey Perlman. And um, he, he had a one-on-one -on -one interview with Henry Cordes, the, the great journalist from the Omaha World Herald on the news side. And 
Um, number one, he came out right off the bat and said athletic director Sean Eichhorst is um, in the process of getting contract extension. Probably not the right time to, to come out and, and say those words. Uh, but number two, um, he was very critical of former head coach Bo Pelini's recruiting. And I know we have all been critical, but uh, I, I guess I just don't know what the point of a chancellor coming out and saying that uh, you just don't see chancellors anywhere get into talking about recruiting and and those types of issues um, just because they're really not an expert on college football recruiting. Um, so it was unique that in an official World Herald front page interview, uh, Chancellor Perlman went into recruiting um, being the issue uh, with Bo Pelini. And um, it's just to the point now where you just got to move on from the past and, and, and worry about right now. Yeah, I guess when you're a lame dunk duck chancellor, you feel a little more bold to make statements like that. I agree. I thought it was uh, not only ill-timed, but kind of out of place for Perlman to dig, like, dig into the football aspects of things. I mean, uh, you know, he's done a lot of good for this university on the academic side, but, uh, you know, obviously people have questioned a lot of his decisions that he's made, especially in hiring football coaches. So, um, you know, I think that it was just kind of the, the latest uh, <laughs> latest uh, thing to tick a lot of Nebraska fans off about the way he's handled uh, just this the handling of this football program. Yeah, to your point, Sean, I mean, what does Harvey Perlman know about recruiting that Bo Pelini and his staff didn't? <laughs> you know, I, I mean... That's just one of the that it's an armchair quarterback type of comment. Um, on the flip side of things, great reporting by the Omaha World Herald. They did a really nice job in that story. All right, let's move on uh, to stock down. Robin, uh, who was your weekly stock down? Well, you know, you hate to single one guy out, but, you know, just looking at social media and the vines that have come out of, you know, certain plays from that Purdue game. And uh, Nate Geary has been kind of the subject of a lot of criticism uh, over the past few days, even had a story written about him just kind of basically calling him out for what they suspected was a lack of effort. And, um, you know, again, he was far from the only guy out there that, you know, had those types of plays. But unfortunately, uh, he was able to get uh, caught on film. And so, uh, you know, there's no denying what the, the, the tape shows. And so it was certainly disappointing to see, you know, one of your team captains who's supposed to be the leader of this defense put forth, you know, those types of just lack of effort plays. And uh, hopefully, that's something that they can get corrected because, you know, going into the year, he was regarded as the heartbeat of that defense, you know, just from an emotional and vocal standpoint. And uh, you hate to see a guy like that, you know, put those types of plays on film because, you know, that, that could hurt him down in the long run. Dan Hoppen, stock down. Special teams penalties. I mean, we saw Nebraska have four offsides penalties on special teams plays against Purdue. None of them ended up coming back to hurt the Huskers, but that's just a total lack of execution. And, you just wonder what's going on there. Already this season, Nebraska's only played nine games this year, but they have 17 special teams penalties this year, almost two per game, compared to just six in 13 games last season. I mean, that's an incredible jump, obviously in the wrong direction. That was a tweet, right? Did you make that a tweet yet? I did, and and, and it's in my article this morning. I need to tweet that, so that, that's a very good number pulled. And, and finally, let's get our final uh, stock down from Nate Klaus. Uh, opposing quarterback run game. I think for the second week in a row, you saw you know you saw the a team really hurt Nebraska's defense with a with an average quarterback that ripped off some some big runs. Bench young like runs. Yeah, I mean that that sh- just shouldn't happen. And and uh, and really after after um, you know Purdue's quarterback ripped off that that run, I felt like that really kind of changed the complexion of that game. I, I, uh, whether it be mentally or whatever, I think it just kind of sucked a, a lot of confidence out of that Nebraska 
Nebraska defense. So uh, that's you know got to be something that they correct going forward. Well, Dan Robin, uh, looking forward to Saturday as, as we get ready for Michigan State. Uh, we'll have full coverage and see you guys in the press box. Yeah, hopefully uh, we can get a little bit better effort than we've got the past past few games amen to that all right nate we'll close up the show a huge recruiting weekend nate klaus will give the full breakdown next this is huskeronline.com your authority on nebraska athletics well it's always big when you have guys coming in you know it's going to be a great atmosphere so you know you hope you hope the recruits uh, you know take take all that in and and, and want to be a part of it how do you balance saturday with the game at night and and you know, maybe 10 or more top visitors on campus? Well, our, our recruiting staff uh, does a great job in, in with, their, with the recruits itinerary. And so, you know, they'll be taking in other parts of, of, of campus and, you know, other things that, that are involved here in Nebraska. So, um, you know, and then by the time Saturday comes, you know, the haze in the barn anyway. So it's, it's the preparation as far as I'm concerned is, is over. So I, I'm, I'll be able to visit with them some. And welcome back here to the final segment of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we wrap up the show with recruiting. And you just heard wide receivers coach Keith Williams uh, just getting ready for kind of the calm before the storm on Saturday with a number of recruits coming in. And, you know, Nate, you're probably one of a few people that can really speak of authority on this matter because you've been a part of big recruiting weekends all the way back to – 2003, 2004, and uh, you've seen and covered them, and you've seen and been a part of them on Keith Williams' side of it. Uh, what just goes into a weekend like this, and, and how does this one kind of stack up as you look at Michigan State and Nebraska this weekend? There's an awful lot of logistics that go into you know putting together a weekend like this. Anytime you have a big game, you have a number of kids on campus, um, you know, looking at close to double-digit official visitors, and then you have you know close to double-digit unofficial visitors. Um, you know, important unofficial visitors that are all going to be on campus. There's a lot going on, a lot of moving parts. So uh, it kind of takes all all hands on deck to put that together. And and um, uh, I mean, it's just it's uh, it's fun and exciting to have all those kids on campus. Uh, but it's an awful lot of work, that's for sure. Yeah, you you look at this weekend, Nate. I mean, just give me an idea on official numbers, unofficial numbers. If you had to kind of ballpark what you think the number that will be out there Saturday will be. Well, right now we're looking at nine of official visitors that are going to be, um, you know, on campus this weekend, and and I think that there's still a possibility of one or two more, you know, joining that list as we go as we go into the weekend. And then unofficial visitors, I, I think we're going to be close to ten to fifteen guys there as well. So uh, you're looking at, at probably twenty five to thirty uh, total recruits, um, you know, high high caliber guys that Nebraska is really looking at, uh, you know, spanning across. So 2016, 2017, and 2018 classes that will be on campus for the Michigan State game. I want to start just with some of the news that came out um, just recently. Um, You look at Kansas State commit Trey Bryan. He decommitted uh, a St. Louis area running back. He will be in Lincoln this weekend. Uh, What do you make of the decommit? And is is he possibly the guy that Mike Riley was referring to maybe as, as the new commit? 
Well, first of all, Trey Bryant. Uh, I mean, you, you look at uh, you know what he's done in his career. He's one of the one of the top running backs in the state of Missouri. Um, you know, out of a powerhouse program in Christian Brothers College uh, out of St. Louis. Um, he's been committed to Kansas State for a long time, and but this decommitment was kind of you, you could kind of see it coming for the past couple weeks. Um, I don't think that he's the the silent commit that Mike Riley had kind of alluded to in the press conference this past Monday, but. But I, I do think that Nebraska is very much a player for him now. Uh, the timing of of this decommitment, I think, kind of kind of proves that that uh, Nebraska is very much um, you know a, a player to, to eventually land his commitment. He you know decommitting just days before he arrives in Lincoln. Um, you know there was some people who thought that that maybe his decommitment signified that he was going to be uh, committing to Minnesota, which he visited last weekend. But I was able to speak with him. Uh, last night and he said that he's definitely very much looking forward to visiting Lincoln this weekend and and seeing what uh, what Nebraska is all about so I, I think that's a good sign for the Huskers you gotta love when a head coach uh, drops the silent commit bomb because then Red Sea Scrolls on Husker Online it, it just turns into commit investigation where we've got about 10,000 detectives trying to uncover who this commit is and um, you knew on our chat on Tuesday that was going to be one of the first questions we got asked yeah, there's no doubt about it. It was uh, everyone's trying to connect the dots right now and, and read into every little thing that's either out on social media or things that coaches have said. It's pretty crazy. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we get you ready for the big recruiting weekend for Nebraska. Michigan State uh, comes into town. It's a six o'clock game. Uh, the stars have kind of aligned. It will be Nebraska's first November night game um, since joining the Big Ten. Uh, typically, the Big Ten has not allowed them. This year, they are going to have uh, two or three November night games, which is a big thing for recruiting, Nate, because a lot of guys are done right now. Um, not everybody, but teams are in playoff mode. Some kids are done. I know Nebraska high school football quarterfinals start this Friday. Um, so you can get more guys in for a November night game, maybe than an October or September night game. Absolutely. I mean, this that's that's huge for Nebraska to have this opportunity to have a night game in November, um, you know, with either the seasons ending, um, you know, here over the last week or so with the playoffs and whatnot. Um, and then there's some places that are you know playing on, you know, Thursday night or, or you know, um, you know, having their having their uh, midweek games, I guess, leading up for the state finals and, and wherever they're they're uh, playing at. But uh, it's huge to to be able to to have the opportunity. It, it allows the a greater window for these guys to come in, and and that's kind of what you're seeing. You, we've got uh, kids from all over the country that are going to be in Lincoln on on Saturday. Nate, a question that we continue to get asked is junior college recruiting. This is kind of the calm before the storm. Um, you, you're going to see a lot of movement in JUCO offers. Um, nationally in the next week or two. What have you seen in just the last week? Because I know um, you were very busy on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, just chasing down offers and new things out there. Anything on the JUCO fronts that we want to watch? Yeah, there's uh, you know several new players that have really popped up on the junior college scene. You know, First of all, defensive back Markel Simmons is a safety out of Arizona that just picked up an offer from Nebraska. He's going to be coming in on an official visit this weekend. Uh, he's an interesting prospect. Uh, could play free or, or strong 
safety for Nebraska, redshirted this year at Pima uh, Community College in, in Arizona. So he's uh, so he could become a mid-year graduate and have three years to play, which is really the ideal junior college prospect. Um, you know that that coaches look for is a guy who could get here in the spring and and have three years of eligibility remaining. So uh, and that's what Markel Simmons has. Um, and he'll be here this weekend, as I mentioned. Uh, Jonathan Kongbo is a, is a 6'6", 265-pound D-end out of Arizona Western, same program that, that produced Randy Gregory. Um, he's very much interested in Nebraska, and I know the Huskers are looking to get him on campus. And then, uh, you know, just last night, Nebraska offered a, a really interesting uh, junior college defensive end, Jordan Bonner out of uh, Northeastern Oklahoma um, A&M, uh, the, the program that's coached by former Husker Ryan Held. Uh, you know, and Jonathan Bonner is, a, I mean, kind of reminds you athletically of a, of a Randy Gregory type of guy. I mean, you watch his film, it's hard not to think about Randy. Um, you know, and, and they look very similar. I'm not saying this kid is Randy Gregory, but he's... Off the brakes. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> 6'6", 230 pounds, and, um, you know, runs like a runs like a safety. I mean, he's, uh, he's extremely athletic, and this is a guy that uh, redshirted his freshman year, had an outstanding season this year, and is going to blow up. He, he's already got kind of a few smaller early offers. And just recently, Tennessee, Kentucky, and now Nebraska have offered. But he's going to become a big-time, big-time recruit, especially because he's a three-for-three three guy. Now, Nate, Nebraska also kind of shook it up in Iowa a little bit. Uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, uh, not a place you're going to get a lot of Husker kids because it's proximity to Iowa City. Uh, but Nebraska makes a new, not 2017, 2016 offer in Cedar Rapids, Iowa this week. Yeah, Sean Beyer, tight end out of uh, Cedar Rapids, Kennedy, picks up uh, picks up a Nebraska offer, um, you know, this week. And that's interesting because this is a kid who's 6'5", 210 pounds or so, extremely athletic. I mean, really does it all for for Kennedy, who's undefeated this year, uh, whether it be, you know, flexing out as a, as a tight end wide receiver, uh, kind of a hybrid player. Uh, catching passes or, or rushing the ball. He's got over 500 yards rushing. Also plays a little quarterback. It is, I think, the second leading tackler on his team. So a very athletic kid. He's a 6'8 high jumper, you know, 15 flat in the, the 110 high hurdle. So really um, a great frame, uh, you know, is a very athletic kid. And committed to North Dakota State. And, and you know, Nebraska has kind of had their eye on him for a while. And, and they go ahead and, and pull the trigger. Um, you know, it becomes the first FBS program to, to offer him. And I think this could set things into motion, you know, several different ways, whether it be other teams really coming in uh, and offering him now, or, um, you know, maybe, maybe him committing to Nebraska early, or uh, maybe even having an impact on how, uh, how things play out with Noah Fant, you know, does Iowa return and offer uh, Sean Beyer? And, uh, and maybe, maybe that signifies uh, Noah Fant taking a harder look at Nebraska or I mean there's a, there's a lot of different scenarios that are pretty interesting about this and Nate lastly uh, as we kind of look at the weekend um, we can't end this interview without talking about Keyshawn Johnson Jr. this will be the fifth visit he'll make to Lincoln um, who's coming with the Calabasas crew this week 
Well, it'll be Keyshawn Johnson Jr., uh, 2018 wide receiver Brian Hightower, who just picked up an offer from Alabama this past week. Nebraska was the first school to offer him last June. Uh, he'll be making his uh, return visit second time uh, since that time period um, and it, it, his first game that he's ever seen. So I, he's very excited to, to really experience that atmosphere in Lincoln. And then you have uh, 2016 safety outside linebacker Justin Johnson, who is uh, you know doesn't have any offers right now, and I, I'm not sure if uh, if Nebraska is really looking at him uh, to offer, but this could be an important piece. Um, you know, maybe as a potential walk-on guy or something like that. Uh, Johnson Jr. and and Justin Johnson are very good friends, and they would like to play together. So uh, it'll be interesting to see you know what kind of dynamic there is between uh, between Justin Johnson and Nebraska and how that may or may not affect Keyshawn Johnson Jr. They're building this relationship kind of brick by brick. I mean, sooner or later, you would hope that it's going to kind of explode into some some commits. Um, I mean, what's your take on when that could potentially happen? I think it could happen sooner than later, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, the, the, the reality of the situation is that a kid from just outside of LA has visited Nebraska more times than he's visited any of the major schools in the state of California combined. I mean, he has Keyshawn Johnson Jr. Hasn't visited USC, UCLA, or a program like Cal um, combined more than five times over, you know, over the last six months. And he's been in Nebraska six or five times since that time. So I, I think that bodes extremely well for Nebraska. All those kids out of that high school have been here multiple times now. And I, and I think, think it's only a matter of time until one of those chips fall and then maybe you see some dominoes um, you know come after it well that puts it in here to another edition of the Husker Online show Nate uh, keep your head above water I yeah. know I know you Mike Matea Brian Munson um, this is going to be one of those busy weekends where you're going to put in about a month's worth of uh, work in, in about a day so uh, don't work too hard and, and, and make sure you stay on top of uh, everything here at HuskerOnline.com as we'll have all the coverage here on uh, HuskerOnline.com. Absolutely. Thanks. All right. Well, that uh, puts an end to it. Uh, make sure you, you come back to the site all weekend as we'll have complete coverage of Nebraska and Michigan State. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 